Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right. So I flew in from North Carolina today. That's where I live. Um, in case you're wondering why I don't have like a really thick North Carolina accent, because I wasn't born there, that's why. But uh, anyways, I uh, flew in a little bit earlier today. We had, you guys had like tornado watches and tornadoes over here like a couple days ago. So did we. Like at the same time, we had four tornadoes touch down within 30 minutes in my house that wrecked a whole bunch of stuff. My roof was leaking. I was inside the attic yesterday. And my attic, like I don't know who built my attic. They thought Smurfs might live up there at some point. But I'm six foot seven or five foot 19 or four foot 31, depending on how you do the math. And so I'm crawling around in my attic, like with about this much, it's about this much space, about this much space above my back without hitting nails and stuff to get to the other side of my attic because I had two leaks coming through and all the drywall changing colors. And I was like, oh my goodness. And if you've been here before, you know I've shared other stories about my house leaking. I don't know what it is about my house and leaking, but I'm getting a little sick of it, and I couldn't do anything about it. So here I am, not knowing what's going to happen to my house. My son today, he's 14. Any 14-year-olds in here? Uh, There's something about being 14 and just wanting to do stuff to see if people can laugh. He's like a basketball practice today, jumping over people's heads, you know, like where you'd run and you just jump, and and hopefully they know you're getting ready to do it, because if they get startled and just go like that, that could be bad news for you, all right? And so, like, he was jumping over this about, guy about five foot tall, and then he decides to jump, and he sent me a video of this. I wish I'd had time to put it up here, but he's just like, Gibby! you know, he jumps up. My son's about 6'1 now, 14. He's going to be a monster. His, his shoes are bigger than mine already, and so, which is good, because he stopped borrowing my shoes and stinking them up like crazy. I'd pick them up like somebody had just, like, purposely pranked me, but it was just he wore them. That was the only difference, and he's not here so I can talk about him, but there's something wrong with his feet, and if we, I'm sure it would cure the coronavirus if we just wave it over people, they'd be well, the virus would run off. Anyways, I, it's probably too soon for a coronavirus joke, but hey, when, if not now, when? And so anyways, um, so my son jumps over this kid and everything. About 30 minutes later, my wife sends me a picture of his wrist, and it's swollen like a tennis ball <laughs> because uh, he jumped over that kid and his brother, and his brother chickened out at the last moment and kind of moved. So my, my son like pushed him out of the way as he's coming over and landed on his own wrist. And I'm like, wow, self-taught lesson. Anyways, that's what I'm leaving behind. My wife having to figure out what's going on. And an orthopedic pediatric surgeon looked at it and was like, yeah, that I, it, it'll heal eventually. And so that's where we're at. And my house will heal eventually. But I get to spend the weekend with you. And I'm excited about that. I'm not like, well, I wish I was there fixing my roof or whatever. I really think that God has something for us. And I don't know where you're at, how you came in. I mean, I know you came in through that door. But you know what I mean? Like, what you came in with or what your experiences are. I just know what mine were at your age. And when I was 15, I came, well, even before 15, I came to youth events. And 15, I came, at 15, I came to a youth event where I was like, yeah, try to impress me. Like, I, I know what this is about. It's about sitting kids in chairs and making them learn about Jesus. And I didn't want any of it. I didn't want anything to do with it. I wasn't even sure if God existed. And that's where I was at when I came in at 15 years old. So I don't know where you are. You're probably somewhere between that and like, I love Jesus. You know, like you're it's somewhere in the there or in the middle there. And either, either place that you are, wherever you are, welcome anyway, because I'm glad you're here. I really am. And I hope that God um, meets you in a real way this weekend as we talk about this odd passage 
in the Bible uh, about this prophet named Hosea. Well, before we do that, I, I put something underneath each one of your chairs. And so I want you to reach under and grab this piece of paper. Now, some of you have a paper ruler. Can I see one of those? If you've got one, no, maybe one closer to me so I don't have to walk. Anyway, so like, okay, so some of you have one like this, and some of you are going to have to share. But I'm going to give you specific instructions. You've got a pen. Everybody's got pen and paper. Um, but everybody doesn't have a ruler, and it's, don't be offended, but we, we put them under the chairs of the people we like the best. And that's, I'm just joking. I had no idea who would sit where. Whose was this? Was this yours? Okay, here's what I want you to do. It broke. Yeah, 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 I like you. You're awesome. Okay, if you don't have a ruler, you just didn't measure up. Did I mention I'm a dad? Anyways, okay, so here's what you're going to do. And I'm looking, I'm looking for the best paper in here, and I may not have time to grade every single one of them because I'm not a teacher and I don't really care. So here's what we're going to do. You're going you're gonna to follow my instructions as best you can, even though we're not in school right now. We're going to do a little exercise with the ruler and the pen and the paper. And, and so the first thing you're going to need to do and I'm not going to repeat my instructions unless I do it by accident. Put your name in the top right-hand corner of the paper. Next, make sure your paper is portrait, not landscape. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It doesn't really matter where you put your name. Just put it on there somewhere so that you have your name on there. Next, take the ruler. Now, I understand everybody doesn't have a ruler. So as soon as you do this part, give it to the person who doesn't have one next to you. It's purposely set up to where somebody next to you has a ruler. That's the way it is. Um, all right, so here's what you're going to do. I need you to make, let me see that ruler real quick. Yeah, there it is. I need, you, I need you to make a triangle. Now, don't make a triangle yet. You don't have all the instructions. All the sides are going to be the same. All right, so you're going to make it, what is that called when they're like equilateral, all right? They're going to equal each other. Yeah, it's not... Hey, don't get acute with me. That's kind of obtuse. Anyways, so equilateral triangle. You're going to make each side four inches. And make it not like this, not like this, not any of those weird isosceles things. Try, try your best. Do the best you can. Four inches each side. Use your ruler and then hand it to a person next to you and let them do the same thing. So I can give you the second instruction. This one's harder. You math geniuses. This is straight up first grade, all right? <laughs> Some of you are like really like taking your time, like you're making this for NASA. This is the nose cone of some spaceship. All right, handed to somebody else. This kid's got two on his paper, two triangles. Yeah, that's not what I said. Okay, four inches each, each side four inches. All right, here's the next thing, and if you haven't done it yet, don't freak out. Don't do this next thing, though, unless your neighbors next to you have already made the triangle. Love your neighbor, one family, all that good stuff. You're going to put a circle in the middle, the, the perfect middle of that triangle, and the circle is going to be two inches in diameter. Diameter is straight across that circle, okay? So two inches in diameter, that whole circle. It needs to be a good circle. You might need to make a couple marks to figure this out, but I better not be able to see the marks or... That's not what I, you know, I just want a circle, not a circle that looks like a clock. That is a lemon. That's a lemon. She drew a lemon in the middle of the triangle. Some of you drew very tiny triangles, four inches, not centimeters, not millimeters. All right. We're going to look for, look, we're going to look for a good one. Yeah, we're not doing an eyeball in the middle because you're like, this is, 
Somebody said, this is for the Illuminati. No, we're going to do something else that will totally unilluminati it. If we stop now, it might look kind of weird, like we're all in some kind of weird cult. Okay. You got the circle? Yeah? Who's got it? The diameter is two inches. No, you're supposed to make it two. That's, uh, that's on you, not me. All right, in the middle of that circle, I need you to make a square where all of the sides are one inch. One inch in the very center of the circle. Try not to touch the edges of the circle. This is the final, the final part. I'm going to see who did the best for what I'm looking for. Hey, hook this guy up with a ruler. He needs to put a square in there. All right, so here's what I'm going to need. If you're still working, that's cool. You can put him down. I can't see that far anyway. I mean, I can, but I can't really make out the measure. Can I use your ruler for a second, this ruler? All right, so here's what I'm going to do. Instead of looking at every paper and you holding it up, be like, pick me, pick me. I want you to show the people near you, and I want you guys in your little cluster to kind of figure out which one you think is closest to what I said. Four inches for the sides of the triangle. Two for the circle, one for the square. When you get some that are really good, start pointing at that person and hold it up so we can grade a few. All right, this whole row is nominating this person. Just hold that right there. Let me see. Okay, you stay. Stay there for a second. What? The canvas is blank. You guys didn't share a ruler with him? The whole row is disqualified. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Hold on a second. All right, all right, all right. I see what you're doing. This is pretty good. You come here. You come here. To the front. That's pretty good. You come here. Not quite there. It's not, hey, come here. You come here. You come here. You come here. Come up to the front. There's lines running through it. I know you were doing the math. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I love it though. I love it. Uh, what? Okay. And that one, come up. I, that brightens my day, but that's not what I'm looking for. This is a melting Hershey's kiss. All right. Okay, I think I've got all my contestants. Did that last person, let her out, please. Move your knees. Move your big bony knees. Oh, I didn't come over there. Uh, you, you. It's touching the edge, touching the edge. This one's good. You come here. Come here. All right. All right. That's all. That's all. Put your papers down. Now we get really strict. Hold them, hold them facing me. Hold them facing me. This is not a perfect circle. And listen, it doesn't mean that you are not a perfect, awesome individual. Just that your paper is not quite there. And there's a footprint on it. I didn't give an instruction to put a footprint on it. I'm sure that wasn't your foot anyway. That's kind of a big foot. Okay, let me see this. Just stay there for a second. This, see the square's too close to the edge there? I'm not even going to have to measure that here. Let me see. See the square's kind of off-center? Not a perfect, this is a really good circle, but the square's too up to the side. This one is actually touching the triangle. I must not have seen that back there. 
This one's touching the square too, not in the middle. This one's pretty... St- they have to, well, they have to be in the very middle, and it's not in the very, it'd have to go this way a little bit to be in the very middle. This one's pretty good. Free-handed. But I wasn't looking for pretty good. All right, hold on. This one's got a random line there. This square is the tiniest thing I've ever seen. Half inch, is that what you're going for? This one is the closest to. But yet. How many, how many, how many uh, sides does a triangle have? How many lines, distinct lines? Here's some other random line that doesn't yeah. line up to yeah. make up the, he kind of stopped midway. Good job, Larry, you tried. Okay, they can have a seat real quick. You guys can have a seat. Here's the thing. They did good. You guys are celebrating me- mediocrity right now. Here's the thing, guys. Now, I rushed you. I rushed you because you had to share rulers with other people. Now, if somebody took their time, if a contractor was in here, who like, or, or, or uh, what are these guys who make, build? architect, an architect was in here, and they did this, they would still not do it perfectly. You see, there's something about this ruler that's a little off. And each one of these inches on here is about 15 sixteenths of an inch. It's impossible to follow my instructions with the standard that you have in front of you. Now, here's, here's the problem, guys and girls. When it comes to God's standard, if we try to use any other standard, if we're like, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a good relationship with whoever created me, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to heaven one day, and we're, we're trying to apply our own standard to it, it's like a ruler that doesn't quite measure up. And when we actually take God's standard to us, which is his book, the Bible, We don't measure up either, but not because it's the wrong standard, because we're not perfect, me included. It's not like, oh, I gave my life to Jesus now, all of a sudden, I'm all fixed and I'm all better and everything. I'm still not perfect, and we don't measure up to his standard. And this is the backdrop that we start at with this book of Hosea thing, with this prophet It's all about letting people know they don't measure up to God's standard, but he loves us anyway. That's the Hosea in a nutshell. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. We don't measure up to God's standard, but he still loves us. And I'm glad I'm a pastor today and not back in the Old Testament. Because the prophets in the Old Testament, they got asked to do some weird things for object lessons. For object lessons today, we put a piece of paper under your seat, a pen, and some of you got a ruler. For object lessons back then, Ezekiel had to cook over poop, human poop. All right, so people were like, what's that smell? It's familiar. It's familiar. Is that that chicken? No, there's something else in there. What is that? He's like, it's my poop. Anyways, and he had to do that so that Israel, the Israelites could ask him, why are you doing this? And Ezekiel could say, because this is what God thinks of your worship right now. It's fake. You're raising your hands, you're saying the words, your life doesn't measure it out. Or worse, I'd rather be Ezekiel than Isaiah. For Isaiah, because God knew who they were, and they couldn't just put on stuff to fake it. He told Isaiah to walk around naked for three years, and he was an old man. Like YMCA locker room nightmare. Because the old guys, they don't know. You don't do that. You go in the stall and change like a normal human being. 
Old dude, please stop. You're killing me. That's why I don't go to the YMCA anymore. And that, and I, I, I don't work out. So anyways, that's the main reason, but that's the secondary reason. So I, when Isaiah tells, excuse me, when God tells Hosea to do this object lesson, it's not just a three-year object lesson. It's not just a one, once and done cooking a meal object lesson. It's the like, change his life object lesson. He tells him to go and marry a promiscuous woman. Now, promiscuous isn't a word we use a whole lot now, but it means somebody who sleeps around. And he tells him to go marry this lady. Now, some people say he told him to marry a prostitute, and there's evidence in Hosea that she actually did stuff for money that she was a prostitute, okay? But there's not super, like, scholars are kind of divided on this as to whether she was like that when Hosea met her or whether God pointed out somebody who would become like that. Because it just says, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Barry, during the, time, the reign of Hosea. Let me skip down just a little bit, Okay. Verse 2, we'll throw it up there. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So when people say, Why did you marry her? Don't you know she's cheating on you? He could say, Yeah, because you've cheated on God with idols. That's, why can't I just go out, if I'm Hosea, God, why can't I just tell them you've cheated on God with idols? I think they'll get the point. He's like, No, 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 we're going to make this drastic. They're going to see this right in front of them, lived out in front of them, day after day after day. And God had given Israel freedom. He had pulled them out of Egypt. You know, let my people go, that part with Moses and so forth. He had pulled them out of Egypt. He had made them free people, free to worship him. And he loved them anyway. And they fell short of that. And then they decided to follow things that they made themselves, which is so weird. I made this thing. It is my God. You're like, here's my creator. I made him yesterday. It doesn't make any sense logically, but they wanted to follow these false gods and they were doing that. And God's like, I've got to get their attention. I've got to get their attention. Now, back when I was a junior in high school, I dated this girl named Elizabeth. And we dated, we went to the prom together and then we went, and then I would go hang out at her house and stuff. She had horses. So it was like a miniature RVR, but there were only two horses and I'd ride horses and stuff. And one day she invited me over to hang out with her family. And then her dad and mom got up to leave the room and said, and she was like, I want to talk about something. And then they left and then she dumped me. Like, I'm just saying it, how it happened. I was like, so shocked that she dumped me. Not like I was like this great catch or anything, but because it hadn't happened to me before. I had to actually, you know, broke up with some other people before, but it never happened to me. And now I was like, oh, this is painful. So I act like it's okay. No, it's okay. You know, I'm fine. Yeah, I was thinking we should see other people too. I get in my car and I'm driving home. And I remember pulling over to the side of the road because I couldn't get the windshield wipers to go fast enough because of the rain. And that's when it hit me. It's not raining. I'm just bawling my eyes out. I'm crying so hard, I immediately just instinctively turned on the windshield wipers. That changed me. That experience changed me, not the crying. I didn't install windshield wipers in my eyelids or anything. Being dumped changed me. It made me cautious and it made me fearful. And so I wouldn't ask a girl to go to the prom the next year. I wouldn't ask a girl to go out and do anything. I wouldn't ask a girl anything unless I knew for certain that she was going to say yes. I had to hear from her friends, or at least my friend had to hear from her friend. I had to like, it had to be like documented. Here's what she wrote. It says, I love Nate Oliver notebook or something before I would be like, okay. And the next girl I asked out, 
I knew for certain she would say yes before she did. That's not how God operates. God knows that we're going to reject him. He knew we were going to reject him. Way before he even made us, before he even created humanity, he knew we would reject him, and he still planned on asking us to be his. That's amazing. He loved us while we were still sinners. That's when he died for us. God knows the future, and he chose a people who would cheat on him. I would never have done that. I would never pick somebody that either would reject me or would end up cheating on me if I knew the future, and God did that. And now he's using this object lesson with Hosea. Let's look down at this. Her name's Gomer, by the way. If you watch Andy Griffith, you're like, Shazam! You know, but like, it's, it's, it's a girl. It's just an old name. I don't know. It's weird. doesn't sound like a girl, but it is. Anyways, so he married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, because she's the one to blame. Anyways, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel. Now, all of his kids get named like terrible names. They mean terrible things. So this means like scattered, like nobody wants you around. Like, get out of here, scatter, cat. You know, like, so they're like, this means scatter because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. Now, if you do the biblical history on that, there was a massacre at Jezreel. God told them to take out Ahab and Jezebel and this guy, Jehu. Um, Joab at the time went through and killed like, or Jehu rather, went through and killed like everybody, like everybody. He's just like, yeah, you're a servant here. And he was like, and God is like, that's not what I was asking you to do at all. And so he says that they're going to be scattered because of this. Then it says Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Now this time it says Gomer conceived again. The other time it says bore him a son. There's only one time in the book of Hosea where it seems like this kid is actually um, Hosea and Gomer's kid. And now she seems to be out and about. We find out later, and we'll find out later this weekend, that she's out and about with some of the, some of the people that are even paying her for stuff. All right, now check this out. Call her Loruhamah, which means not loved. Can you imagine? Like, what should we name our daughter? I don't know. How about not loved? And my wife would be like, what is wrong with you? It either means not loved, and it can also mean no compassion. Like, no, that's what we're going to name her. So everybody, when they're like, lo ruhamah, oh, you do, everybody hears it as that in, in Hebrew. Like, ooh, snap, there's the not loved kid. How do you feel on Christmas? You're already comparing your gifts to your brothers and sisters, and when you're named not loved, it doesn't matter what you got. You could get a better gift, and you're like, uh, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting gypped here. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah. This is Israel and Judah had split at this time as a country right below them. And I will save them, not by bow or sword or battle or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord their God, will save them. After she had weaned or finished nursing Lo-Ruhamah, she got a little older, Gomer had another son, and the Lord said, call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. Like, okay, whoa, you're not, not family, not loved. Yeah, you know, I mean, those are the kids. That's how you call them to dinner or tell them to get out of the room. And he says, for I am, you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the Israelites will be like the sand of the seashore. He's saying the blessing I gave Abraham, that they would be like innumerable, that's still intact. They'll be like the sand of the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and I will put, I will come up out of the land 
for great will be the day of Jezreel. Say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. The first three chapters is this microcosm of the whole book. This first chapter is kind of a little insight to the first three chapters, which is the insight to the whole book as well. It's prophesying because he's a prophet. Yeah, this is going to happen for a while. You're not going to feel like my compassion's in place because you are, not, you are not following me. You are not going to look like my people to everybody else because you're not acting like my people. You're not being ambassadors of me. And I am going to scatter you until you get it and until you come back. It was always about restoring them. It was always about restoring us. God wants us to be one family. That one video that we watched a little while ago kind of, kind of really hit home because we hear a lot of times that we're all made by God. We're all, and it's true. Every single person here, male and female, you're all in the image of God. God made you like him. And he thinks you're beautiful, and that's awesome. And you may be like, oh, thank you, Lord. Anyway, so like he does. He thinks you're awesome. He loves the way he created you, and we don't always think that way because we look through different lenses. And if you go back through time, you find out that different things were attractive that aren't attractive anymore to people based on what their culture said at the time. You go into other cultures where they're stretching out their lips or their neck or they're binding their feet way back at like Chinese culture and stuff. You're like, eh, what? Eh? And then they're like, no, this is hot. You know, like, so it's changed over time. But to God, he sees you as perfect and beautiful and created to be in his image. But that doesn't mean we're part of his family. Usually you would say, well, I look like my dad or I look like my mom. Or if you, if you, you know, like there's some familial type of relationship here, you should see some sort of look-alike. You should see that if you look at my son and me at the same age, like we look like we could be twins, except he has like bright blue eyes and I have brown eyes. That's like the only difference in that age. And plus my haircut was horrible. But other than that, like I had like a bowl cut at his age. Like I look like, I look like one of the mushroom people from Mario. Like, I mean, it's like, it's really bad. I'm not going to show a picture up there because I'm pretty sure I've destroyed them all. And there wasn't social media yet, so there is no trace. I, it's just up here, and it haunts me. So it's not that you look like God, and, and that means you're part of his family. You look like him. We've rejected him. He never forces anybody to be in his family, and he is seeking to bring you back into that family, to make you one of his. It's like God shows up outside of an orphanage, which we don't have now. We have foster homes. But even if, if God brought a bus by every foster home and said, hey, I'm, I've already, I'm already ready to pay this and everything, but I am ready, and I've got a lawyer here and everything, to make you my child. If you want in, get on the bus. If you don't, you're welcome to stay where you're at, but I love you. There would probably be some people that would choose to stay where they are. Just the fear of the unknown, whatever it is, or like, you know, I don't need nothing from nobody or whatever, and try to put on a, try to front and put on this hard exterior and stuff. But a lot of the, a lot of the kids who are waiting would be like, yeah, I'm in. My wife and I and my family in general, um, we're in the adoption process right now trying to adopt a child. And it's one of those weird things because I've been speaking on the road now for about 10 years, five years full time just doing this. And God called me back into a youth ministry. So I was like, what, God, what are you doing? Like, I don't know that I want to see these kids every week. See, I mean, no offense. I can see you this weekend. And if we don't really get along or you're just like, what's your name? 
Luke, that's my son's name. I named my kids Luke and Leia after Star Wars characters. Anyways, I hope your parents did the same. And um, so if Luke and I didn't get along or he was just really bothering me, which I'm sure won't happen because you look like a cool kid, uh, I'd be like, Sunday I'd be like, bye Luke! <laughs> Anyways, I'm just joking. I wouldn't do that. I'm actually glad to hang out with you guys, which is why I love doing this. But weekend and week out, like the same kids over and over again, God called me back into that. And then my wife and I both had God lay on our hearts that he wanted us to adopt a child. I'm like, how many weird things do you want us to do at the same time? Like we, we just moved a little while ago to a different house that leaks. And now, we, now we're in, um, in this youth ministry <laughs> with kids every week, which I love actually. I didn't think I would, but I do. And we're trying to adopt a child. And it's, it's, it's really opened me up to this heart of where God wants to reach out to each of us and bring us back into that family. And I love that they picked Hosea because I never would have. <laughs> I never would have picked this to, to talk to youth and be like, let's talk about Hosea and this prostitute wife. Let's just do that for a weekend. Let's say, you know, how, what, yeah, no, like, no, you know. I even first saw it, I thought it was a prank email from River Valley Ranch. Like, sure, guys, yeah, I'm going to prepare this. And then you're going to send me the real one about Jesus multiplying the bread and fish, you know, and how he can multiply his love in your life too. No, no, they want to talk about this. And it, it's a perfect object lesson that God used then, and it works for us today because we're still walking away from him. And the things that we serve, we'll talk about some of those tomorrow, tomorrow morning actually pretty early. The things that we serve and the things that we go after aren't little wooden and stone idols that we've made. They're way more subtle than that. And they kind of sneak into our life and they, they, they take the priority of who God is and we walk away from our first love. If we're believers, our first love is Jesus. Not just first, you think, well, I loved other people before Jesus. I'm talking about first love, like preeminent love, like the best. And God's calling us back to following him in that way and realizing how much he's forgiven. And you'll see how much this woman puts Hosea through as we go through the week, weekend. But God loves you regardless. And Hosea got to the point where he could love Gomer regardless. And it was a huge picture to the Israelites, not just in how he treated his wife, but even every time he called his kids in for dinner and they heard those names. Not loved, not my people, scattered amongst the nations. When you hear those kind of names and you're like, what is, what is this about? It's a conversation starter to Hosea every single time because he obviously was probably showing his children actual love, but having to call them this as his three-point sermon of why people had strayed from God and what links God was going to go to to bring them back. Let me pray for you tonight. And then uh, I will be around this weekend hanging out. So don't feel like, okay, there's a speaker. He probably just wants to speak. Um, I'm a person and stuff too. I like to hang out. So I'd love to talk to you if you've got questions or you're going through some stuff or you're like, you know, this one family thing is just really hard for me because I don't have a dad. I don't have a mom. You're talking about you have your kids there and your son is fell and whatever. Like I don't have that dynamic. I still want to talk to you. Like, if you want to talk about that or you've got some issue or you're like, you know what, this is where I'm at. Can you pray for me? I'd love to do that, all right? Because we all come from different backgrounds. And I, I, I grew up in a home where my dad, with rules and all that kind of stuff, almost caused me to run from God completely and never accept it because I believed that I could never live up to the standards that he was putting in front of me. And I didn't realize that it wasn't the Bible standards. It was just some ruler that actually didn't hold up. 
And my dad's one of my best friends now. We have conversations about this, and he's, he's actually apologized about some of the ways that he raised me and, and, and forcing a standard before me that really wasn't a standard from, from God. It was just overkill, a lot of stuff. So let me pray for you, and then we will uh, hear some things about what's going to happen next. And I'm excited about that too. God, thank you so much for each and every purpose, purpose person here that you have a purpose for. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this week. Lord, I thank you just as I was just watching these students, Lord. I saw in some of their faces that they don't, they don't want to be here. Others who were kind of like trying to tune me out at the beginning that I saw light bulbs come on in their head. Lord, I pray that you would continue that, that we wouldn't be afraid of it. You're not some God who is sitting on the bleachers waiting for us to fall. You are rooting for us, and you hope that we make the right decision to bring you alongside us and to join your family. So, Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be a student here who leaves this weekend without either joining your family or really embracing what it means to be a part of it. So, Lord, we just ask that you would bless our time together and all the fun that we're going to have as well. Keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.